I wanted to give you guys a little chance to get to know me a little bit. Uh, tonight will be a short sermon, I promise. It'll be uh, 45 minutes or less. Uh, no, I'm kidding. It, we'll just do like a little 10 minute, get to know you a little bit. And then after, uh, uh, we'll do a little more worship after this. And then I'm just going to be hanging out. I'll stand around the stage or something. If you guys want to meet me, I'd love to meet you at some point. This is my fifth worship service of the day, so my voice might give out at some point. But I'd love to just meet you. And if you got any questions for me, that'd be great. Um, so uh, a little bit about me. Uh, I've got a picture of uh, my crew, my tribe. And here it is. Hit me with that picture. There it is. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, this is, uh, this is my family. So my wife, Lori, uh, we met in college, and Lori is the love of my life. She's my best friend. Uh, I've said this before, I think, when I taught here. All the cliches are true when it comes to our relationship. Uh, you know, I, I know a lot of you guys are in a season of life where you're, you're thinking about, you're praying about. Uh, finding a spouse, a mate eventually. And uh, that's something I'd love to take uh, uh, a role in helping coach you in that. And I can tell you that uh, that's the second most important decision I've made in my life is who I've married. And we've been married uh, 13 years now. I think my wife will be watching this video. I think it's 13 years now. <laughs> I hope that's right. Um, <laughs> uh, Lori and I, at some point, we had a couple kids because that's what happens when you're in love. Uh, if, you need me, if you need me to tell you more about that, uh, we can have a side conversation. Um, my daughter is Hadley. She's four years old. She is a sensitive, uh, sweet, somewhat dramatic girl uh, who loves singing. Uh, she loves Frozen. She loves Disney princesses. Uh, she's dear in my heart. Uh, my son, his name is Cohen, C-O-E-N. Uh, he's two years old. He loves the Chicago Cubs. Uh, he loves making lion sounds and trying to scare you. It's super cute. Uh, they're great. And then you may or may not know this. There's also a third kid in my wife's belly as we speak. So around May-ish, you guys will be honorary like godfathers and godmothers of our kid. We'll have a sanctuary baby uh, in May. Uh, so if you've got any name ideas, let me know. It's going to be... Oh, well, yeah, that's not bad. That's not bad. I'll, I'll run that by Lori. We'll see how that, how, how that goes. Uh, so it's going to be another boy, so pray for us. It's going to be crazy. Uh, and then that's uh, the dog. His name, uh, her name is Hurley, and she's been around for seven years. If you guys know Kyle Lung, uh, he's sort of our resident dog sitter, so she's important. Uh, I got another picture, too. This is a little more something I wouldn't normally share on a normal sermon. I just thought it'd be cool to, to let you guys know a little bit about uh, some of my personal life. So let's go to the next picture. Uh, so these are some of my hobbies uh, when I'm away from work, away from church. So I'm, I love woodworking. That's sort of like my passion, my hobby. That's a playhouse I built for the kids uh, a year ago, and then a little lamp that I built. And that's just something I love to do. Uh, if you ever want any furniture made, just let me know. I've got no time on my hands. I'm completely free. I'll make you some. Uh, and then that's my son. He's holding a vinyl record. Uh, I don't even think this is a hipster thing anymore. Most of us are into vinyl records, are we not? No. Okay. Okay, cool. <laughs> Good to know. Uh, I, well, some of us are. Uh, I'm really into vinyl records. If uh, my birthday happens to come around, that could be a great gift. Just saying. And then down there on the bottom, 
Uh, I'm sorry if you're vegan, uh, California vegan. I'm really into like barbecue. I'll tell a little more about this in a second, but I'm from the South. Uh, I love smoking, meats. Um, so it's, I know, it's sort of weird, but that's, that's some ribs I smoked in Thanksgiving. So uh, yeah, that's a little bit about me now. This is some of the stuff I love. Uh, the rest of the time, I'd just love to share with you uh, why I am here. What brought me here? How did God bring me to sanctuary in Menlo Park, California. Um, so I'm originally from uh, small towns in Oklahoma, okay? All right. Are you legitimately from Oklahoma? That's awesome. Let's talk later. That's weird. Great. Uh, when I talk about small towns, I grew up in a town that had one stoplight. My legitimate first job making money was raking tumbleweeds out of people's <laughs> yards. Uh, cow tipping is a real thing that people do in small towns. That's sort of where I grew up. Uh, fascinating thing about Oklahoma, those people will know back there, uh, Oklahoma is one of the most churched states in America. Uh, some people in Oklahoma would lovingly call it the buckle of the Bible Belt. And I, man, I was a part of that. I grew up in church. My, my grandpa was a Southern Baptist preacher, and uh, he passed away this fall. And I was able to see just the influence he had on my life, even to this day. Uh, but I, I went to church all the time. Back then, you go on Sunday, you go to Sunday school, and then you go to Sunday service. And then later that night, you go home and get a meal, and then you go back to church, and then you do basically a second Sunday school. They call it discipleship training. Then you did another Sunday service, and then I come back on Wednesday, and I go to another, another church service. And so I grew up in the church, like, all the time. And uh, that's part of the thread of my story is uh, church was fine. Church was okay. Uh, but when I was in seventh grade, I uh, was compelled by the life of Jesus. That was the first time I, I fell in love with this man who uh, taught me about love and justice and hope. And I decided to become a disciple of him in seventh grade. And then not long after that, uh, as I began my journey with Jesus, uh, we sang this song earlier. It said, I give my whole life to honor this love. And I gave my whole life to honor this love. I committed felt called to full-time ministry uh, in high school. And, and for me, full-time ministry is a little different. Some people, like, some people feel called, like I'm called to be a worship leader. I'm called to be a missionary, called to be a preacher. Uh, for me, I never had anything specific. Uh, one of my mentors told me a phrase that you'll probably hear me say a lot here at Sanctuary. But he said, following Jesus is not uh, knowing a, a big path or map for the rest of your life. Following Jesus is about taking the right next step, just finding out what that next step is. And for me, uh, I went to college. I didn't know what I wanted to do in ministry, uh, I, so I decided to do like a youth internship. That was sort of the right next step. And as I did that, I told the youth pastor, I was like, hey, you know, I can play a little guitar. Um, probably not great. I, got, I don't know, like four chords. And he was like, that's perfect. That's enough for worship. And I was like, okay. Uh, <laughs> So I started leading worship for, for the youth group, and that sort of became my next, uh, the right next step for me, and that was the way God started using me, and I became a worship leader. I've been a worship leader for 15 years now, and uh, after college, Lori and I moved up to Chicago, uh, and I was a worship leader there, and that's where uh, the paths of Menlo Church and myself uh, began. So I was at a church called Willow Creek in Chicago, and... Uh, 
All right. Yep. That was unexpected. That was good. Um, John Ortberg, our senior pastor, uh, he was a pastor at Willow Creek. And so I knew John Ortberg and had some connections there. And after six years in the frozen, terrible tundra of Chicago, uh, we were looking for our next step in ministry. And I don't even know if I told you this, Jeremy or Mark, but uh, I was, Lori and I were seeking out our next step in ministry. And we found this position at John Ortberg's church, is Menlo Park Presbyterian Church in Menlo Park, California, which I didn't even know where that was. I thought California was all like surfing and, you know, I had all the stereotype Hollywood. Uh, but I looked online and it was, the position was sanctuary worship leader. And this was, uh, man, this is probably seven years ago now. And so I called, uh, set up a, a phone interview at the time. You guys might know these people, might not, but uh, it was Tim Williams and Lisa Buckle at the time, and we had uh, a phone interview for Sanctuary, and it was the weirdest thing. You guys have probably had this in your life at some point, um, but in that interview, I just felt like these are my people. I can't explain it, but these are my people. It was the best interview. I got off the phone and called my wife. I was like, that was the best interview I've ever had. It just feels right. Uh, we, need to, we need to do this. And so they called back, and they felt the same way, and like, let's fly you out. Uh, maybe you could be the sanctuary worship leader. And for whatever reason, it sort of crushed my heart a little bit. Uh, as we prayed with God, it just seemed like it wasn't the right season. Uh, my dad had just passed away a few years earlier. My mom had just gotten breast cancer, and we had just gotten pregnant with Hadley, our first kid. And so we felt called to move back to Oklahoma and be with family for a season, so it was the hardest thing I've, I've really done. Uh, I called um, Menlo here, and I was like, man, I, I feel like this is right, but I can't explain it. This is just not the right season. So uh, we went back to Oklahoma, and I was just bummed. I was like, man, I think I missed out on, like, my perfect church opportunity. And the way that God works, is, as, as you may know, is just so weird sometimes. And after uh, a year of being back in Oklahoma, uh, Tim Williams randomly called me and uh, said, hey, like, we've got the perfect job for you at Mountain View. And so uh, very weird way of getting here. But the cool thing is uh, God constantly had on my heart the Bay Area. And uh, one of the reasons I'm here, and I'll explain this in a little bit, is I am passionate about this area. I believe God wants to do something in the most unchurched area in all of the country. Uh, this is one of the most influential areas in all the world, and I think God wants to do something here, and I, and I want to be a part of it. And so maybe you're like me, and maybe at times uh, you look at random events in your life, and you sort of put them together, and I think we all ask this question, like, why am I here? Is there a purpose? Is there a thread amongst these things? Are they just random accidents? Like, am I just, is it random that I uh, raked, uh, what do you call, um, what did I just call them? Tumbleweeds, thanks. Uh, it's random that my grandpa was a preacher. It's random that I happened to go to Willow and meet John, uh, know of John Ortberg and find out about this church. And you may be asking yourself that, like, what's my thread? Why am I here? And briefly, I just want to go into scripture and talk about this concept, because thankfully, we're not the only people that wrestle with these kind of questions. Like, why am I here? What's my purpose? Am I an accident? Uh, one of my favorite stories uh, comes from a book called Esther. If you're in church this morning, our, our senior pastor talked about uh, how women play such a huge role in the Bible. And one of my heroes of our faith is Esther. 
And Esther uh, was a young Jewish girl. And she uh, lived in a time where the Jewish people were under captivity in Persia. And sort of miraculously, Esther uh, becomes the queen of Persia. And part of the reason she becomes that is the king doesn't know that she's Jewish. And so later in the story, it's, it's crazy, uh, the king sort of gets manipulated and he decides he is going to kill off the entire Jewish nation. And in this moment, uh, Esther is forced with a life-risking decision where she can either uh, protect herself and not tell the king that she's Jewish or uh, she can try to save her people. And so in Esther 4.14, one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture says this. This is sort of her mentor, Mordecai, says this. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And here it is. Here's the, the thing I just love. He says this. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Esther, like so many of us, had to ask the question, why am I here? How did I randomly get chosen to be the queen? I'm not even the right ethnicity or the right tribe. This is an accident. And her mentor says, you've been chosen for such a time as this. Why was she given this position for such a time as this? And Esther risked her life, talks to the king, tells her, tells him that she's Jewish, ends up saving the entire Jewish nation, becomes a hero. And for you and for me, we have to ask that question, why am I here? I want to ask you that question, why are you here? Maybe you came for school, maybe you came to Stanford, maybe you came for a tech job at some point, maybe you've lived here your entire life. Uh, why are you here? We really have two Two reactions to this question. On one hand, we can say, uh, well, I'm just sort of randomly here. It's, it's sort of accident. I'm happy I'm in the Bay Area. I'm just here. Or we can choose to believe this concept that maybe I'm here for such a time as this. So you, you and I, we find ourselves, whatever brought us here, we find ourselves in church right now in the most unchurched area in all of the country. In all of the country, the most unchurched area. Could be an accident, maybe not. You and I, we find ourselves in the most influential uh, area in all the world, I would say. The decisions that get made here, the things that get created here, like literally change the world. Maybe it's not an accident that you and I are here. And so when we ask the question, why, why did I take this role? Why am I here in Menlo Park, California, a guy that grew up in a town with one stoplight? Uh, I believe I'm here for such a time as this. I believe you and I are here for something great. And so I want to challenge you. Uh, my first week here as your pastor, I want to challenge you to commit to this community. I want to challenge you to believe that you're not randomly here at some young adult gathering. I want to challenge you that God wants to use you in this community. 
why are you here? I believe you're here for a reason. So here's the thing. What would it look like? What would it look like if a group of, let's say, 100 to 200 young adults started gathering together and got really serious about being disciples of Jesus? What would happen if a group got together and started taking serious this idea of love and justice and hope? And we came together longing for God to use us in this community. How would our workplaces change? How would these coffee shops change? How would downtown Menlo Park change? Palo Alto, a group this size with the influence we have in our own lives, if we committed and asked God to use us, and we believed, we had the audacity to believe that we are here for such a time as this. That's what I get excited about. That's what I'm believing in. That's what I'm praying for. Um, I want to tell you, I'm not just here uh, to give some talks occasionally. I'm not just here because I'm trying to find the next role in my career. I'm here because I believe God wants to move. That's what I'm praying for. And so uh, that's my challenge to you. I want to ask you to join us with that. And so we're going to continue to worship here in a second. And like I said, I'm going to be around. I'd love to just meet you and and talk to you more. Uh, I can tell you why you need to be into vinyl records or tell you some barbecuing tips or something like that. Uh, But more than anything, I'm just thankful to be with you. I'm thankful to be a part of this community. And uh, as we sing and as we worship, we're going to sing these words. We're going to sing more I want to be more like Jesus. I want to challenge you to not let those words just be a, a song that we're singing, but I want to challenge you to let that be a prayer from your heart that every part of you wants to be more like Jesus, that you would give your entire life to honor this love, and that we would join together in doing that. So I want to pray for you guys, and then we'll, we'll continue to worship, okay? Let's pray together. Jesus, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful to be here uh, with my friends. I'm so thankful to see uh, what you have going on. And I'm thankful that uh, I'm thankful that all of our lives are not an accident. I'm praying for those people in this room right now, God, that, uh, that would beg to differ that would see their lives and not see anything uh, special, would not see any kind of thread, I would pray for them right now, God, that you would give them a fresh understanding that you are working in their lives and you, are, you have them here for a reason. And God, I pray for our community here. God, may this be a gathering uh, that's not just a, a time to hang out. A gathering that's not just a routine, God. A gathering where we believe the God of the universe is going to work through us. Father, I pray for the community surrounding us. I pray for those people that are looking for hope and purpose, that are looking for meaning. God, would they see the love of Jesus in us and through us? Jesus, Make us more like you. 
Show us we are nothing without you. Jesus, would you guide us in the next steps in this ministry, in the next steps in our lives? We hand it over to you. Father, as we worship, would you fill our hearts? Would you speak to us now? It's your name we pray. Amen. Amen.